Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Well, hey folks, if you're uh, newer to our church, that handsome gentleman was Pastor Frank, and my name is Dave. I serve as lead pastor here, and uh, today I want to let you know we're going to watch a movie in church, but it's not the kind of movie you make popcorn and laugh and enjoy in that kind of sense, but it's the kind of movie that reminds me anyway why God invented film and why it is such a powerful way to tell the story of God. And we have the privilege of having the gentleman who made the film here with us. And so I want to just uh, welcome them up. I want to invite the families up. Frankie and Janelle Rodriguez are here, and Neil and Lindsay Brewer are here. Frankie and Janelle, you know from our relationship with Grip. He's an old friend, and they're here with their kids, Jubilee, Aisha, and Enoch. Enoch is the most chill baby you're ever going to meet. Look at him. He's just sitting there like... And Neil and Lindsay hail from Charlotte, North Carolina. And Neil is the owner of Iron Kite Films, the, the team that made this film, and just really, really grateful to have you. I'm going to hand it over in a minute to these guys just to take over our service and lead us. Uh, but before we do that, I'm going to ask if you would bow with me. Let's just pray together. God, we're always staring at screens these days. And so much of the time, we're not even thinking about what we see. But this morning we pray that you would tell your story on the screen and that your Holy Spirit would make it impossible for us to ignore what you are doing and what you are saying to us. We thank you for the giftedness of the team that has made this film. We thank you for the story, the reality behind it. And we pray that without exception, every one of us here in this room would be caught up in it and would see you in your glory. We pray that every word that is spoken, everything that is thought and done in this room would exalt Jesus Christ, our Savior. That each one of us who know you and follow you would feel a stirring in our hearts to be more faith-filled and courageous in the way we do that. Bless Rodriguez and Brewer families as they stand to serve you and as they lead us this morning. Anoint them in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, good morning. Uh, as Pastor Dave said, my name is Frankie. This is my really, really, really good friend, uh, Neil. I just want to thank you, Pastor Dave, and, and your leadership team for inviting us in and giving us an opportunity to share God's heart with you guys uh, because that's what it is. It's not a, a highlight reel of our, our families, though they are awesome uh, and special. Uh, they are uh, it's, it's, not, it's not about us today. It's about Jesus and what he's doing. Um, so I just want to introduce Neil. He's a, he's a close friend and brother of mine. Uh, me and Janelle, we love him and his wife dearly. Uh, we look forward to what God is going to do in, together as families as we move overseas and uh, help Jesus take over the world. And so we're excited about this next season. So I would just uh, want to honor my brother, my friend who loves Jesus. Uh, and because of that, he loves others. So here is Neil Brewer. Amen. Thank you. And Pastor David, I just want to honor you, brother. Thank you so much for opening up your pulpit 
like this and, and having a, a special Sunday where the focus is on the nations, inviting us to come share. I honor you, brother. Thank you so much for doing that. You have a special man at the helm of the ship. Very few men would be so confident in themselves and in their church that they would turn over their Sunday morning in their pulpit to a stranger. So I honor you, brother. Thank you very much. So we are moving to the Middle East. Yes, we made a film. It was at, at the, as oh, an obedient act to the Lord. We made a film to provoke the church in the West for what God is doing in the Middle East. But our desire and our burning passion is to move to the Middle East, to give our lives for Jesus Christ, to see the banner of Jesus raised and exalted in the desert where five times a day, men and women, they bow down and they serve an idol. They defame the name of our God. And he has asked us to partner with him to go and change that situation in the desert. Three years ago, the Lord branded me with this people of the desert, changed my life forever. He took me up in a vision, and I was on this cliff overlooking a vast desert plain as far as I could see, millions and millions of people staring up at me in silence. And Jesus said, I have little ones here who do not know me, but I know them, and I need you to tell them about me. And in an instant, this people of the desert gripped me. He gave me his heart for this people of the desert. I don't know him, but he knows them. And he needs people to go tell them about him. That's why we're going to the Middle East. Us and our three, at that point there will be four children. We're going and we're giving our lives for Jesus in the Middle East. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul says, The love of Christ compels me. It controls me. It absolutely owns me. It shapes every decision that I make, everything that I do. The love of Christ compels me. And we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all have died. And he died for all so that those who live may now not live for themselves, but this one who died for them. And see, if you check your Bible, there's not a footnote that says this only applies to the missionary. This only applies to the pastor. It's to the church. All have died and been raised with him. And now this life that you now live, it is not your own. So friends, what we are doing is not special. We're just living out a life of obedience that we all are called to. The same brother who wrote to the church in Corinth, he also wrote to the church in Rome and he said, be living sacrifices. Present your bodies as living sacrifices. That's what we're called to. Living sacrifices for this one who gave himself for us. Now the problem with living sacrifices is we can climb off the altar. We have the ability to say, no, I've received my salvation. Praise you, Jesus. I'll see you in heaven one day. That's not what we're called to. You are called to be salt and light in this community right here. Walking around as a living sacrifice. Burning on fire for Jesus. To see this community saved and transformed. See, what we're doing in the Middle East is nothing unique. It's the same thing that is going to take place here in your community. 
as you live as living sacrifices. I heard a brother say one time, the Holy Spirit is in you as a river, not a pond. If he is in you as a river, living, active water flowing out of you, life-giving water, then your community will be transformed. Then the things that you see on this film will take place in this community. You won't be able to contain the living sacrifices that will flood this building. So our desire is to provoke you and say, if God's doing that in the Middle East, where there's so much danger and opposition and violence and oppression, then God, you can do it here in my community too. So as you watch this film, be provoked. Allow yourself to be stirred and be provoked. And then commit to pray for us. (laughs) Commit to pray for our families as we become living sacrifices in the desert. Brother, do you have that slide with the email addresses? I would love to share this film with you and send it to you in an email so that you can share it with others. So even right now, just grab your phone. If you would like to see this film again and share it with others, send me an email. and Say, hey, brother, share that link with me, neil at ironkitefilms.com. It's the one on top. And I'll send you an email with the link so you can watch it again and you can share it with others. Neil at ironkitefilms.com. So without further ado, we present Streams in the Desert. I mean, we just watched this thing last night and it just hit me like this morning. <laughs> it just really got me. Uh, just, just so exciting and so encouraging to know that, that we get to be a part of this. That we get to be around for the generation that makes an impact in that part of the world. Uh, and it's just, it's just very, very exciting. Um, I just want to share a few quick things with you guys, and then I want to hand it over to Pastor Dave so we can, can move forward and dismiss you guys. But just some, some quick uh, things. In the back table there, there's uh, prayer cards. It's one for each family, the Rodriguez family, the Brewer family. Uh, please uh, take one, put it on your refrigerator, on your desk at home, or at the office, whatever it is. And uh, when you pray for us, as I shared last night, when you pray for us, do not only pray for our safety. Uh, we, we say amen to those prayers, but pray that the gospel would go forth in power. Uh, because we don't want to come back with stories of how safe everybody was, but nobody heard about Jesus, and nobody got saved, and nobody gets baptized. Uh, so please pray that God would make use of our time out there, that he would use us to full capacity. Uh, me and my family are leaving in five weeks. Uh, we're packing up, we're heading out April 21st, uh, and we're rolling out. We're committing for three years. Uh, Neil and his family are going for the long haul. Uh, and they're leaving, as he said, uh, soon after their baby is born, in about seven months or so. Uh, also on the back table, there's uh, these commitment cards. Um, we are in need of financial partners. We're in need of people to help us get there and stay there so that when while we're out there, we can focus on what God is doing uh, and not have to worry about how we're going to get the next meal on the table. And so uh, my family, we need, right now, we need 40 more households, 40 more families to commit to giving at least $35 a month. Uh, and that will get us at 100% of our goal so that we could focus and what we're doing. So we need 40 more people to jump on board with us. Uh, the Brewer family needs about 70 uh, people 
to commit at $40 a month. So we're at 35 they're at 40 uh, And man, God's doing it. God is calling people to partner with us and to get involved uh, in what He's doing. So I would ask you to prayerfully consider that. If you do feel uh, like that's something God is putting on your heart, you can grab one of these, fill it out, break off the piece, and then you can just give someone, one of our family uh, the piece that we keep with your information. And we'll follow up with you with all the details on, on how to set that up. Uh, to do the monthly reoccurring uh, gift. So please uh, pray about that and just obey the Lord. And with the little bit of time that I have uh, left, uh, I want to share something with you out of Acts uh, 13, if you could turn there. Um, You know, Neil shared about the vision that the Lord gave him and how he knew he was called to go. Uh, about just over a year ago, on December 9th of 2013, I had a dream. And in this dream, I was sitting at the table with uh, Dave Papavisi, one of the guys in the video. He kind of looks like me a little bit. I'm the better looking one. And uh, I was sitting at the table with Dave uh, in this dream. And I heard a voice in the dream, and I knew the voice was God's voice. And he said, I'll see you in Iraq, April 2015. And then I woke up. I told my wife, uh, a couple of days later, we went to a conference, and a buddy of mine who's really prophetic, I said, I had a dream. I think God spoke to me. Would you pray? And sure enough, he's, without knowing the details of the dream, says, God has taken your family into a season of transition. He's taking you to a land you do not know, and a people you do not know, they're going to come to you. And so we knew that was it. It was sealed. God is calling us uh, to, to the desert, as Neil would say. Uh, and the most exciting part for me is that in the dream he said, I'll see you in Iraq, April 2015. And so I feel like I have an appointment with God in five weeks uh, in Iraq. And so we packed up. We didn't have all the money we needed, but we had enough to buy tickets. And so we're doing everything we can to get there because God has promised to meet us there. And so we're excited about that. And so in Acts 13, from starting at verse 13 through the end of the chapter, we see Paul is in Antioch and he's in the synagogues and Everybody's doing their readings and they're sharing. It says, anybody else have anything else to share? And so Paul stands up, he motions that he does, and he begins essentially to give the history of the gospel, the history of the Jews, of the people of Israel. And he goes from coming out of the desert and then the, prophet, the kings and the judges and all these things, and he starts talking about David, and then one comes from David's lineage and Jesus, and he's crucified and all of these things. And he's pretty much retelling the story of the gospel. And he's talking about Jesus being raised from the dead. And how the scriptures say that the Holy One will not see corruption. That's verse 35. You will not let your Holy One see corruption. And he's trying to make the point that David is not the one, that David was not referring to himself. And in verse 36 he says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep, was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. And he goes on to continue the story in Antioch. And I just want to focus on that verse, verse 36, for a moment. Because if you're just taking the whole story in its context, it's just one, it's like a one-liner that if we don't pay attention, we're going to miss it. He says about David, he served the purpose of God for his generation. One translation says he fulfilled the will of God for his generation. I don't know about you guys, but I know for me, 
I want, I want the Holy Spirit. I want God to be able to say that about Frankie when I'm no longer here. That Frankie served the purpose of God for his generation. Keith Green says, this generation is responsible for winning this generation. I want to live my life knowing that I did everything God wanted me to. Paul says in Acts 20, my hands are innocent of the blood of all men. He's making the point that everyone that God wanted me to preach to, I preached to. Everyone God wanted me to encourage, I encouraged. Everyone God wanted me to love, I loved. And as far as I'm concerned, I've done everything I was supposed to do with my life. I don't want to look back at my life and say, man, that year was a waste. I don't want to look back at my life and say this week was a waste. I want to live my life with purpose, to fulfill God's will for my generation, for my life. And so what we're doing, packing up our families and moving overseas, it doesn't make us radical because we're going to a place that's dangerous. It makes us radical because we're obeying Jesus. Being radical has nothing to do with where you live, but how you live. Obeying His voice, walking with Him. He didn't invite us to go and be some crazy Bible-thumping Christians in the Middle East. He invited us to walk with Him in that part of the world. And that's all we're doing. We're going to be the same kind of Christians we've been here in the States for years. We're just going to be living over there. Nothing that we're not doing here is going to start happening because that land is magical. We're going to pray the same way. We're going to read at the same times. We're going to just be with Jesus the way we know how. And it's interesting to me that he says this about David. He fulfilled God's will for his generation. And David did not have the Holy Spirit living inside of him like me and you. For those of us that are born again, he did not have what we have. And so how much more should we be fulfilling God's will for our generation? What is it that God has birthed in you? What is it that God wants to do in you and through you in this generation? Does it involve a one-way plane ticket? Does does it involve sacrificing time with work to invest in people? Because the only thing you can take with you to the other side of eternity is people. So my prayer today is that you would allow God to, to bring back to the surface those things, those dreams that you once had. To do something that would last for eternity. To do something that would make an impact in the world. And that God would remind you that He put that there and He still wants to do it and that you're still here in this generation that you could still make an impact because His mercies are new every day. So there's no, well, you, wait, you wasted too much time. You, that, that's, that's all done and passed. I mean, when Moses was at 40 years old and he saw the Egyptian torturing, beating An Israelite, he thought, this is the time. This is the time for me to be the deliverer. He thought he was ready. And he was wrong. He ends up in the wilderness by himself for another 40 years. And after he feels like his time is way past, God shows up and says, now you're ready. Now you've been prepared. Now I've equipped you to go back. And we know, right, Moses is, I'm not the guy, it's too late. My time is past. And we see what, how God used him to deliver a people. So my encouragement to you guys this morning 
Just don't worry how much about how much time has passed, but what is God saying right now, today? Does he want you involved in what he's doing in the Middle East or in Asia or in South America or in Europe or in the United States? Is it, are some of you supposed to go and join the team down in Tuba City? Some of you are supposed to be here and help expand the kingdom of God and establish something. So I just want to pray for you all this morning and then I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Dave. Our families will be here afterwards to talk with us. Please grab whatever you need in the back table and come talk to us. Ask questions. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord. And we pray that it would be said about us one day that we fulfilled your will for our generation. That we could look back next Sunday and say, this week was not a waste. But I did what God wanted me to do. I loved people that he had specifically put in my path to love. I shared my heart with them. I shared my home with them. I shared meals with them because God set those things up. And I didn't miss any of those appointments. God, I pray that that would be us this week. Today, that we would not miss an opportunity to fulfill your will, God. We pray, Lord, for just the encouragement we need to keep going forward and pursuing you and fulfilling your will, God. That when our eyes get off of you and onto us, that you would remind us by your spirit, Lord, by your word. God, we need you to do this. The reason David was able to fulfill your will, God, is because his eyes were continually fixed on you. He was after your heart, God. So help us to be after your heart that we could fulfill your will, Lord. We thank you and we love you. And we pray in Jesus' name that you would establish the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, your son, in our hearts, in our homes, and in our communities, whether it be here or abroad. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David. One of the things that you hear from soldiers when they return from deployment is how hard it is sometimes to come back to the very home that you were missing so much. Because out in the field, there's always something happening that feels significant. And then you come home and everything seems so soft and insignificant. And what I'm so challenged by with this film is that what we're seeing portrayed in the Middle East may seem more dramatic than what is happening in the suburbs of Chicago. But in the spiritual realm, God is very much at work everywhere. And the stakes are as high here as they are anywhere else. And we cannot allow our culture to lull us to sleep. I want to give you three invitations, which is church language for in-your-face challenge. Okay, And the first challenge is this. Are you being nudged, called by God's Spirit to go? I grew up in the 80s in the church. Every week, someone was asking us if we were being called to do something crazy and radical, to go. And that's all I heard growing up in the 80s. Are you going to go, 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 go? And so many went. Out of my youth group of 20, like half of us became pastors. 
it, it was just over and over and over. And then we all grew into midlife. And now all I ever hear is, will you give? Will you send? While all them crazy people go. But I've got to believe that God is still asking people today to go. I think that's why he sent you guys here. And we haven't given that invitation in a long time. Nonetheless, some have gone. (laughs) That's how great God is. But this morning, I'm going to ask you, as we get ready to pray, to listen to God about that. And for some of you, because you've been so active in sending, maybe you've sort of uh, decided that's your category. But what if God wants to do something else? I don't want you to start negotiating or analyzing, but listen for the voice of God's command. Don't think about how crazy it is, what it'll cost, how many barriers there are. I don't even have a passport. Forget all that stuff. That's details. The hardest part is hearing God's command and being willing to obey. Getting you out there, that's not the hardest part. It's not insignificant, but it's not the hardest part. I forgot to mention, and thank you, Neil, for mentioning, it's not just the two of you. You have three little ones already out of the womb. The fourth one, the film's been shot and is in editing, right? (laughs) That's one way to think about it. Most people don't think about bringing seven little ones to the Middle East with the news we're hearing right now. But if God calls us, at some point, you've got to reconcile that with who is Lord, right? And so that's the first challenge I want to give you, is could it be possible that God is just that crazy and he's calling you to go? I'm going to give you a second challenge. And uh, I don't think the second one should be any less dangerous than the first. And that is, are you being called by God to send those who will go to this place? I think sometimes we see sending as the safer alternative because we decide what we'll do and how we'll give and all of that. But I think God also wants to raise up some serious senders. I think there are people who write checks and there are people who send. And by sending, I mean the same kind of courage and commitment to the work of God that our partners in the field have, it's going to affect the way we live. It's going to lead to some serious bedroom conversations between you and your spouse. If you're single, it's going to mess with your lifestyle to give and to send and to pray to be those who aren't just sending a check every now and then, but saying, if you're willing to go, I'm willing to bend over backwards and make sure that God will get you where you're supposed to go. And I have a younger brother who spent years in the mission field in Africa. And I know how I felt about the many people who made ridiculous sacrifices to send somebody else to go. And I think in doing that work together, with the same kind of courage and commitment, we all grow and we see the kingdom. And when we hear the news, you share in that. You you get to see that and say, I was part of obeying God for this generation. So I'm going to ask you, Are you being challenged by God to give at that level of commitment and courage? And then I'm going to give you one last challenge. And I think the dude that rocked me the most in the second 
viewing. The first as well, but he really got under my skin the second viewing. Pastor Hatham, I think that's how you pronounce his name, but he was, especially when he was talking about what's happened to a once vibrant church in the Middle East, and all I kept hearing was the U.S., not the Middle East. I just kept hearing him say things that are relevant to us. That for 500 years, all the church there wanted to do was stay safe and worship God and take care of each other. And that they did not raise another generation who saw the importance of telling people around them about Jesus Christ. And I kept thinking how important that is here too because in a generation, many are already writing books about this. Dave Kinneman and others have already observed that the church is rapidly dying in the United States. It's not a, a slow decline, as you might think. It's dying fast. You may be surprised how quickly the legs of the church, the heart of the church, could be ripped out and cut off in this country. And I think so much of it is because, just like what the pastor was saying in the film, we want to stay safe and we want to take care of each other. Now, please don't misunderstand. Being safe and caring for each other is a good thing. It's what we're hoping for the people we're out there reaching, too. But if we don't believe God actively in obedience here, we're going to see the church really begin to be irrelevant in this country as well. And so that's the third challenge is will you respond in courage to God's call to make Jesus Christ visible and known in this culture? I don't see that the world has any better answers. Having fun making a lot of money. Many of us have done that. And it hasn't touched us the way we thought. It hasn't saved us. There is only one real hope for the longing of the human heart, and that is Jesus Christ, the Savior. There's nothing else we have to offer the world. There's nothing else we need to offer. So those are the three invitations I want to give you. And I want to invite our, our praise team to come up and get ready to lead us through some songs as they're doing it, I want to invite us to pray. And when you see and hear things like what we saw today, <clears throat> I think it's good for us to really make our hearts open to God. Some of you have been in the church and, and following Jesus for a really long time. Some of you are not even in a relationship with God, but you're drawn for some reason to this faith community. I want to invite you to just listen to God. Even if you don't know him personally, he may end up saying something to you. Do you remember in the video, some people in the Middle East are having dreams about a Jesus. They have no idea who he is, and he is meeting them even in their sleep. He may talk to some of you who don't, you don't consider yourselves a Christian, but if you'll listen, you may hear his voice this morning, and he may be saying something to you as well. So here's how I'm going to ask us to pray. If you're able to, I think one of the greatest postures for this kind of listening prayer is to just be on our knees, because I think it's one of those postures that in no other context do we normally bow for anything. And if your knees can handle it, if you're comfortable doing it, please feel free. We're not going to judge if you don't. But I want to, it's rare that we give you that invitation so that you don't feel like a weirdo doing it. So if you feel led to get on your knees and just pray before God, I want to give you a few minutes to just... Be in his presence. Respond to him. Listen to what he's saying to us. Okay? Uh, and after a few minutes, I will pray. 
And then we're going to invite the praise team to lead us out in some worship. And then I want to invite you guys to come and get to know the Brewers and the Rodriguez's. All right? So let's, let's do that right now. Let's just, uh, and if you want to sit, that's fine. If you want to stand, that's fine. But if you want to kneel, you're more than welcome to do that. And we won't look funny at you this morning. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.